Well, hello everyone. I'm Maria Alejandra Londoño. Welcome to Peace Talks. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. And as you can see today, I'm also in a very special place um, at the uh, Live and Let Live Studios, i.e. studios, as we also call them, where we record uh, peace, peace Radicals. And I'm here also today live uh, with Peace Talks. Today we have a very special guest, Corey Poirier. He's an international speaker and an influencer as well. Um, he's an amazing person. I'm so honored to have him here on, on this show on today. So we're gonna have him come live. Amazing. So hello to everyone who's connecting. Hi, Corey. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Maria? All good. It's amazing to have you here. It's such an honor. Thank you so much for accepting this, this invitation. I know you're uh, for sure a true live and let live, or you live with passion. And well, I mean, introductions sometimes are not necessary, but please like introduce yourself to our wonderful audience and welcome to Peace Talks. Okay, well, I'm happy to. Thank you so much. And thanks for inviting me. And I guess quick introduction is that I, uh, and I say quick introduction, and then I'm going to start with something that makes it sound like a long introduction, but it's not. <laughs> but uh, I uh, was raised by a single mother. A little bit about me. Raised by a mother, grew up in a small town, uh, barely graduated from high school. When I did graduate, didn't know the difference between fiction and nonfiction, uh, and didn't read my first book till age 27. So uh, I say all that stuff to say uh, I certainly wasn't the guy in the yearbook which was written likely to succeed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that's a little bit about where I started. And then today where I'm at is I get really excited uh, about and by interviewing thought leaders uh, to the tune of now we've interviewed thousands of thought leaders with the idea of learning what their timeless secrets are. What do they do that's different from everybody else that's allowed them to achieve that high level of success? And, you know, there's so much beyond that, but that's really kind of the, the start and, and the finish, the start and where I'm at today. And outside of that, we have a brand called Blue Talks, which is a, um, a book series a podcast platform, live stage, virtual stage. And the whole goal is to help people share their message with the world. And uh, we've had over, I guess we're approaching over 200 people now uh, who we've helped them get their message out and become best-selling authors. And so that's another way I spend my time today. So that's, I guess, a little bit about the backstory and the current story. And the current story. You have such an interesting story. You've done so much. Uh, yeah, I saw on your, on your site that you have interviewed over 4,000 world leaders Uh, you've shared you've shared the bite with uh, John Maxwell with Deepra Chopra, and also you're a yogi. Like you, you record also music, so you have such an amazing background. So, but let's start with with the first things because you talk a lot about passion, and especially on your show, uh, conversations with passion. So, can you tell us a little bit more? How did you find your passion with with all of this background to like start where you were and be where you are today, being that such a passionate speaker? Because Uh, you've been on multiple TEDx uh, talks that I recommend everyone recommend to go see them because they're like very drawing and they're amazing and the overall topic is always passion how to speak with passion so how did you find this passion path to say so well first of all thank you so much again for asking that and, and that kind uh, feedback on the talks as well uh, as far as me I'll add in a really important note and a caveat when we talk about passion. Uh, and this wasn't intentional, but I happen to have um, one of my yeah. books here, The Book of Why and How. And in this book, I mean, the whole premise is, is helping people find their why. And to me, your why, your calling, whatever you want to call it, 
really to me that's a mixture of your passion and your purpose so just to, to ca caveat all add is that to me passion is the what so passion is what you're doing so for example writing a book uh so being a writer being a speaker being a photographer uh performing stand-up comedy that's the passion and to me the purpose is why are you doing it you know so whether that's to help elevate lives to push somebody else to the top of the mountain to create a positive ripple in the world so just to you know just to put it uh because a lot of people think both are the same passion and purpose i think they're separate but i think they work together and so for me if we talk about how did i find my passion because it is where it started for me i actually found it by being tricked into performing stand-up comedy one night so i didn't want to be on a stage i didn't like the idea of speaking in public which is really ironic now and uh, i didn't want to be in a platform and what happened was i wrote a play in a festival and I, I wrote it so that I wouldn't have to be in the play. One of the actors got hurt and I had to write myself a part to add more time for him to do the costume changes. And so I ended up having to write myself onto the stage, but I wrote it so I could have my back to the audience and not face the audience. At the end of the play's run, I asked one of the actors, how do you think I could get more comfortable with this? Because this could happen again. And he said, I don't know if this is the answer, but I'm doing a, going to a stand-up comedy workshop at the university. You want to come with me? And so I went with him. We did a two-week workshop about stand-up comedy. Week number three, we arrived at a comedy club with the idea that we were going to watch people entertain us and then talk about what we learned from that. And we found at five minutes notice that we were actually the entertainers. So that's why I say how I say and why I say we were tricked. I was tricked into stand-up. Uh, eight people out of the 15 walked out the front door, literally, never came back. I was one of the foolish eight or seven that stayed. And uh, I was the first guy to get on the stage. I told two jokes to dead silence because I found out that I didn't even know enough to turn the mic on. So <laughs> that was kind of my level. But that's how I found my passion, Maria, because what happened was I did that stand-up thing, um, but I, and I survived was the big thing. I did the stand-up thing, I survived, and I didn't think I would. And because of that, I went back the next week. I had this little thing inside of me like, I kind of like this. And I kept going back week after week. And what I ultimately found out is it was kind of a taste of the passion because People at work would say, and did you fall in love? You have such a, you have such a smile now. You seem to have different energy. And it was all because I was performing five minutes on a stage. And so that was, to me, the red flag or the tip that my passion was somewhere in there. Ultimately, I feel the passion that I was getting close to was speaking. So being a professional speaker. And it took me a lot of years to realize that was only one piece of the puzzle. The other piece was why was I doing it in the first place? And the cool part about discovering that is what it meant is I could get that same feeling and that same impact for others without having to be on a stage. Like once I discovered, okay, the passion is the stage, but I also can do this through writing. I also can do this through podcasting. And once I realized why I'm doing this, which was for me to create a positive ripple and an invisible impact in other people's lives. And I've often said like, for a uh, metaphor is that before I was on the surfboard and I was kind of saying, Hey everybody, look at me, I'm doing stuff. And then as I started learning that what I, what I really enjoyed doing and helping other people, then I became the guy that was trying to create the waves for the other surfers. So then I went to the background and said, okay, I'm going to create a wave for you and you. And so now it's helping 10 other people surf and get noticed and saying, Hey, look at me versus me being the only surfer out there. So I know it's a metaphor, but that's kind of where I'm at now. And also, like I said, going back to your original question of how I discovered my passion. That's so amazing. That's so amazing. And uh, what you said, like you find your passion on speaking and sharing a message. And me, like on a personal level, I can totally relate to that. 
because uh, it's very challenging sometimes to say, hey, my passion is to share a message, to speak, but what, why am I speaking for? What's the thing behind that I'm defending? Or why do I have the, enough courage to go on stage? Or why do I have enough courage to like help others and, and share a message? And on your, on your website, thatspeakerguide.com, you also have this free resource that I recommend everyone go check on Corey's website uh, on Enlighten. And uh, from Live and Leslie, we we felt very drawn, especially to that to that uh, ebook that you had there, because you also approach how to find how to find the best version of yourself, how to tap into that, and I think that's tapping into the why. So if you can also share with us uh, how how we, how we can find that best version of ourselves through finding our why after finding our passion, like I feel it's all like a it's like a line, right? It is. And I'm glad you asked it that way, because I do believe for most people, and I won't say it's for everybody, for most people, it starts with the passion part. It starts with figuring out what you enjoy doing versus why you're doing it. <clears throat> I find many people can't skip that. Like I think, and even, I think it's just for, for us to even get our head around it. We have to first reach out to the why, you know, what am I going to do? So for example, it could be anything. It could be sewing. It could be, you know, knitting. It could be uh, watching videos on YouTube, making videos for YouTube. But I think first we usually have to do something that we get excited about. And so, like I say, for me, it was speaking and comedy <clears throat> and also music, playing music clubs and writing music. Those things were what jazzed me up. And, but I had to go there through there first. So what happened was, as I mentioned, I am discovering this thing called passion. Previous to that, by the way, I was a pessimist. I was like a hypochondriac. Right. And I don't even stretch that. Like if I read about things, I would get the symptoms. And, the, and I had really extreme anxiety. And the only thing that helped that was when I got on that stage, I started like when people said, you seem different now. That was the different. It was like, I jokingly, but it's true in the book, I say I took vitamin P. And so vitamin <laughs> yeah. P is the one vitamin you can't buy in any store and it's the most important vitamin you'll ever take. It used to be, I would say vitamin P was passion. Now I believe it's passion and purpose. It's both of them. But the point is I first discovered the passion. And so I think most people have to, and I'm going to give people an, um, a strategy for how to do that. But then the follow-up to that is once you find that passion, after you start doing it, you're probably going to start reaching for, why am I doing this? What's the purpose? Like what's the reason behind it? So for example, when I performed stand-up comedy, I ultimately realized the reason I was doing it is for those people that would have a horrible day at work and then would come to a comedy club and whether they were getting a laugh out of me or laughing at me because I was bombing or, you know, as we call it in comedy, I was having a bad set. If they saw me as a train wreck, but they were still laughing, I'm like, great. I'm still allowing them to escape, to escape the crappy part of their day that happened earlier. So it wasn't just about I want to get a laugh for me. It was about I can take people out of the crappy day they just had. And so that was the why. So... I think that usually comes, like I say, after. So I'll give tips for how to find your purpose, or sorry, your passion rather, uh, because that'll lead to your purpose and it'll help you to become the best version of yourself. And so the passion part, what I usually tell people, I like strategy that people can sit down and do right after they're on here. And I will, uh, if you're okay with it, I'll actually at the end give people a new resource that we put together. There's a website we set up where people can get a resource right. that'll help them do what I'm about to share. So what I recommend with your passion is people sit down and mind map. So sit down with a pen and a paper. That's how I like to work. You can use whatever, laptop, what have you. But sit down and start writing out what are the things that I love to do. And when I do them, I don't even look at the clock, first of all. Second things, ask yourself, what would I do if money wasn't an issue? Like, what's the thing I would do if I didn't have to worry about money? Then I want you to ask yourself, when you were younger, what did you enjoy doing? And if somebody convinced you not to do it anymore, 
what like where was that well go back to that point when they convinced you not to do it mm -hmm. so as a weird example if you wanted to go to uh, comedy school since i've been talking about comedy a bit and somebody convinced you to become a doctor go back to that intersection like why did you want to go to comedy school and that could be more that you might not have wanted to be a comic there may have been something else that was going to lead to but i think a lot of times we lose our passion because we let somebody else convince us that it's not practical so go back to that point also, what would you do um, if you won the lottery, which is kind of like if the money was an issue, because people tell me all the time, I go sit on the beach and never work again. Sorry, most of you would start working again. But yeah. you would go to the beach probably for a month. But what I want you to know and figure out is what you would do once you came back from the beach. Now that you don't need the money anymore, what's the thing you would come back and want to do? And so what you're doing is you're building this list of all these things that I'm talking about, which is really your list of possible passions possible things that you love because again you've asked yourself these big questions like really what is it that brings a smile to my face what is it that when i do it i feel a sense of purpose all those kind of things now you have a list let's say i mean not everybody but some people might have a list of 10 10 things so you might say okay well i really enjoy i'll, I'll use some of the ones i've said but i really enjoy photography i enjoy nutrition and helping people with nutrition i enjoy teaching i enjoy comedy as i mentioned i enjoy things like that and i enjoy computer programming whatever those things are put them all down on the list and let's say you have 10 things now the next step is now that you have your list what i want you to do is rate them in order what are the ones when you look at them right away you said that's the one i love that and what are the ones that you look at and say if i never did that again it'd be okay but i do like doing it and what i want you to do is put the ones that you love the most at the top of the list so now you have a list in order of the things you think you would like the most and the reason you're doing this is because I'm all about efficiency. I don't want you to go to just randomly pick on the list and pick the thing that you least like and start there. Why don't you go to the thing you most like? And then that means your odds of finding your passion, if that's the one, are that much quicker. In other words, if the top one is photography and you jump on that first and you're working on photography uh, and you're trying and you're going out and taking pictures and all that and you find out that's your passion, that's going to be a lot shorter than if you make photography the last thing, even though you love it the most. So efficiency would say, put the top ones in order. And then what I want you to do is of course, go down that list. So in other words, I want you to start actually, if photography was first, I want you to ask yourself and write this down. What would I have to do if I want to start taking pictures? Maybe I have to buy a camera. Maybe I would have to take a photography course and list those things. And then here's where it gets easier. Now I just want you to take those baby steps. Meaning I'm not saying go out uh, and say, today I'm gonna be a photographer, buy all your equipment, go out and start taking pictures and say, oh, this sucked. What I'm saying is take the baby steps because they're easier to take. If I use stand-up comedy and I use that as the example, not everybody's going to get on a stand-up stage tonight just because I said that's the one on your list. But they might be willing to buy a book about comedy and read it. They might be willing to go to a comedy club and watch another comic. They might be willing to attend a comedy, uh, like I did, a comedy workshop. And so figure out what the baby steps are. Maybe it's four or five. And then the final piece of this is start taking those baby steps. And here's the last part, but it's really important. Every time you achieve one of those baby steps, you already have figured this out, but you need to give yourself a reward. So figure out what the reward you're going to give yourself is. And it could be just if you're a person that eats um, super healthy and you see ice cream as a treat, maybe you say, if I do this, I'm going to give myself ice cream that day. Or if it could be, I'm going to go on a trip. You know, it could be that far apart. But what, so what you've done now is you've sat down. And by the way, this whole thing I just mentioned could literally take you 15 minutes or could take you weeks. But let's say it takes you 15 minutes. You go down and you, you sit down and say, here's my list of all the things I think could be my passion. Now I'm going to start going through them. Okay, I'm going to go through the first one. I'm only going to focus on that one now. What are the baby steps I'd have to take? And then say, okay, if I take those baby steps, what rewards will I give myself? 
And then the last part is just take action. So then you start taking action on one and you go, ooh, I still like this. Take an action on another, ooh, I still like this. And I like this reward. And then you keep doing that. And by the time you've gotten to the last step and you're actually either ready to or you're taking the step toward the big thing that you wanted to do, you're probably already gonna know by then if it's really your passion. And of course, here's the cool thing about all of what I just said. Most people spend about, well, they say 95% of people go to their grave without ever discovering their calling. So people will say to me, oh, well, all the stuff you said there could take me three months. And, you know, you're doing something that's on a list that you thought you'd love. And hopefully, you're, if you're still doing it, you're probably still enjoying it. So is it that bad that you're doing a hobby that you actually love to see if it's really your calling? And if you find a call, your thing in three months or six months, instead of going your whole life without ever knowing it and living with regret, I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. So that was maybe a, a five-minute exercise, but that's the exercise I recommend people start with. And I find a lot of people, that exercise is enough to get them moving in the direction of their passion. I love, I love everything you're saying, and I love this process. Thank you so much for, to share that, for sharing that with, with our audience. And it's precisely something that we also promote from live and let live on the leaf bar, like just stop and reflect on your life, see what's good, see what's not good. And I think uh, your focus on passion really brings um, precisely passion, you know, because that's, that's our, uh, that's our main uh, fuel that, that gets, that gets us to, to take action. But um, as you were saying, like, for you to find your passion, you had to get out of your comfort zone first by going to this uh, course on stand-up comedy and then just risking it to go on stage. Uh, and I see like with this process, as people reflect, we write about it, we write all goals, we said, yeah, this is my passion. But sometimes getting out of that comfort zone is difficult because you're like getting out of, again, like a surfer, like you're out on the water. And you know what's there to come and like you have no safety net sometimes and that's how how people feel because when you go from the comfort zone to the learning zone it takes takes courage and takes of course passion uh, what will be one advice that you give people who are leaving their comfort zone to pursue their passion um and that they might be finding difficult to to be out of there uh so what i would say uh, and sorry i just have somebody at the door no. <laughs> yeah Sorry about that. Um, uh, so how it was about how would people would I advise them to get outside their comfort zone? Yeah, uh, to pursue their passion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what I would say, and it kind of dials back to what I was uh, talking about, as far as getting outside, uh, when you get outside your comfort zone, giving yourself those rewards is really important. But and I think you, you mentioned my TEDx talks, you may have watched the one about expanding your comfort zone. And in that I talk about a uh, few, what I'll call them important steps towards expanding your comfort zone. And I think one of the biggest ones that I would recommend is figuring out where your comfort zone ends. A lot of people don't even know what they're scared of. And so for me, it's going to sound really weird and strange, but early in my life, outside of my, and this is going to sound really weird knowing what I do now, but outside of my comfort zone was calling and ordering a pizza. Like that was outside of my comfort zone, just picking up the phone and talking to somebody. And so you need to know where your comfort zone is. So first thing, and I talk about doing like a comfort zone circle, like a circle, here's my comfort zone here, and then writing the things that you wanna do. So let's say your passion, and that this ties into the list I said to just make. Look at that list and say, which are the ones that are inside and which are the ones that are outside my comfort zone? 
So if it's outside your comfort zone, like I said, let's say we take the first one and let's say you said stand-up comedy. I use that one because that's outside of most people's comfort zones. So you might say, okay, it's way outside my comfort zone over here. That ties back to what I mentioned about what are the baby steps? Uh, I seen uh, Rudy put in here a slice of cake. So slicing it up and saying, what are the smaller pieces I can do to expand my comfort zone? So I should have mentioned that, but those things I mentioned that you're doing those baby steps, that's slowly increasing your comfort zone. So like, for example, if you wanted to jump inside, jump out of a plane, which I've done, and I can tell you I'm scared of heights, it wasn't easy. But I didn't go, okay, I'm going to jump out of a plane today and then drive to the place and say, okay, how do I jump out? I mean, I actually reached out to them and said, what's the process? When you went there, they put me through a, a training for a couple hours. Like it was a it was a thing. And I had to do those baby steps and commit to going to the next one. Meaning like, I might have said, oh, you know what, I've just realized this isn't for me. And so what I would say is that First of all, you need to know what's inside and outside your comfort zone, which that on its own can be an exercise for people to actually say, is this really outside my comfort zone? But once you figure out what is outside your comfort zone, then what you have to do is figure out what are the steps I would have to take to eventually do this. So I gave the example of stand-up is you might have to pick up a comedy book and read about how comedy really works. You might have to start studying videos of Eddie Murphy and Jerry Seinfeld and writing down, why did that joke work? You might have to go and talk to comics and take them at the lunch and say, how does this work? You might go to a clinic and, uh, of comedy and learn from other comics and do all that stuff before you ever get on a stage. What I find happens for people, even with the biggest uh, steps inside their comfort zone, when you take all those baby steps and you give yourself rewards let's say it was five baby steps and you got five rewards now you've actually trained yourself and conditioned yourself to say this isn't so hard i'm only one step away now from comedy before i was five six steps away i've taken these five baby steps and they weren't that hard each individually and now you your comfort zone's way bigger because now you've seen other comics and them tell you it is it is nerve-wracking but you can be done and here's what you have to do to make sure you do it well and all that kind of stuff and i believe that that adventure of Go figuring out where your comfort zone is and then what are the steps I'd have to take to expand it, but only taking the baby steps. That's where it all starts. And then one other tip I would give people is if, if you can't do it alone, do it with a buddy. You know, we talk about working out and people will, you know, have a workout partner because maybe they're scared to go to the gym by themselves when they're just starting. So I'm saying do the same with your, whatever that is, like get somebody to join you in comedy and maybe they don't like comedy or they like it just enough to watch it, but not ever do it. But they might, of course, what's it going to hurt them to sit with you and talk about what you learned out of that book or to come with the comic, uh, come out uh, for the lunch with the comic you invite and pay for the lunch or to go to the workshop with them. Like they might do all that stuff. They don't ever have to get in the stage, but maybe they help you through all those stages and then they come and support you while you're on the stage that night. So another thing I would say, if you want to get outside your comfort zone is have somebody rooting for you. Like somebody that, Again, whether they're there every time or you just know they're in your corner, that is, I find it's easier to jump with holding somebody's hand. Like, it makes me think I just went and saw The Matrix 4. And, you know, I thought about how they jumped off the roof together, holding each other's hands. And they're like, let's do it. And they're basically saying each, each person is giving the other person the motivation to do it. Mm -hmm. And I feel it's the same way. That's why we work out together. And that's why we have book clubs, you know, motivation to keep reading the book. So, again, I would draw from that and say, uh, who can I find? that's going to come with me along this journey and ride. So did that uh, um, answer? As far yeah, as amazing. Yeah. And, and especially on, on the body thing is that what you said, that's someone that's rooting for you, that wants the best for you, that is looking for a win-win. And uh, again, like looking, looking a body that is also in that win-win mindset, because it's like, hey, let's go to the gym together because I, I know it's good for me. I know it's going to be the good, uh, good for you. 
and that person can push you to be the best version of yourself that you can be because they're also looking looking the same so I, I that that's my favorite thing like always finding like that body and definitely getting out of the comfort zone also implies that you have to reach out to new people new audiences and from your background as an influencer uh, as well like and all the interviews that you've done what's the what's the main ingredient that you'll say it's important to build uh, a to build a community or to lead uh, a community in that in that sense wow so i mean I, I'll, I'll say for me i think it's a really big part of it which a lot of people miss is the engagement and, and we're in an engagement world now but to explain what i mean by that we have our blue talks community and it's only a little over a year old we have about 400 people that are a part of it uh you know, I will say these 400 people made an investment to be a part of it. So 400 people is a significant number in a year. I mean, that's a little over a year. It's like 40 people a month. And so the question is, um, how do you keep those people excited about it? And so for me, I would say the main ingredient is allowing them to take ownership of it and be engaged. So to explain that further to what I mean, uh, one of the things we do is a monthly uh, group call where everybody gets on and network. And what they care about the most than that is the networking. They all just want to network with each other and live and learn from each other. And, and actually the biggest compliment and comment we get is so many people here are just like me, you know, so much integrity in this group and everybody just, nobody tried to sell me anything. And I mean, that's, you know, so on one hand, it's letting them actually get to know each other and communicate with each other and coordinate with each other and to facilitate that. But the other part, which is probably just as significant is the ownership I mentioned, which is for instance, if we're putting together our latest book, we might go into the whole group and say, here's the cover, what do you think? Here's like five different covers, what's your favorite, what do you think? Or here's what we're planning to do, what are your thoughts on that? And so that's to take ownership because now that person is saying, I love this. And they saw, oh wow, there was like, I was one of the 50 votes that said this one, the next closest was 30 and they went with my vote because I voted. But then the other person said, well, I know they didn't go with mine but that's because more people want the other one but still my voice was heard. And I got to, and they might say, like we, an example is my first book, I sent a picture out, the first Blue Talks book, a picture out with a guy in the cover holding a briefcase. And uh, what happened was, and, and that wasn't the original plan, final cover. It was planned to be that, but we were going to try to figure out how can we work in a, a female on the front cover as well and stuff like that. But the most common feedback I got when we sent it out too soon was, well, there should be a female on there as well. Now, I, we had planned to do it, but we just as easily may have not planned to do it. And so it was such a great perspective, especially considering in Blue Talks, we have about 80% of our, our blue, blue stirs, I call them, are female. So it would have been pretty bad to have only a male on the cover. Um, and then also for diversity perspective, they said, let's do it as a shadow person. So it's not really a diversity thing either. You know, so it's like on the front cover, it's two shadow figures. And so it's just male and female represented. And so, but all that came from asking, what is your feedback on this? Not me just going, here's the book cover I did. I hope you like it. And so what I would say to build a community is allow the person involved to be engaged and take ownership and have a voice. And then I would say the second thing is to let them uh, connect with each other and facilitate ways that they can actually say, this is why I'm involved in this community. This is why I like this community. And this is why I want to bring other people to this community. So that would be off top of my head, you know, without thinking through <laughs> everything that we've done, that, those would be the two that I would jump to right away. No, that's great because that, that's the thing. Good leaders, good leaders uh, help to create other good leaders. And when you give a voice and kind of like you put the focus on, on people, on people in your community, you're actually guaranteeing that your community will 
will keep keep on moving because you're giving them you're giving them those values like the the voice that sometimes we miss outside outside uh, certain certain circles of course. Um, Corey, so like passing on, on to a more like light topics, maybe not so on the on, the, on your professional side. Uh, tell us a bit more like why you enjoy doing yoga. You're also a professional yogi. How did you find this path to to become a yogi? Uh, wow. So it, it's interesting the yogi path and how it landed. There's almost like the stand up comedy path. Like in other words, it wasn't <laughs> like the route most people go through where a friend says, "Hey, you should try yoga." Okay, I will. It wasn't like that. It was like, or you go to the gym and go, what's this class? I'm going to jump in on this. It wasn't any of those type of things. What happened for me was I was struggling with balance problems. And this goes back to my like early 20s. And I, I was struggling with balance problems to the point where if I was standing here like this, I would be swaying even with my eyes open. And so I um, went down a path of trying to figure out some solutions. The first path I went down was the traditional medical world and Ultimately, they, they, you know, they go, went to put me through a bunch of tests. Ultimately, they said, sorry, we think it might be something inside your ear, like inner ear or something. We can't fix it. Good luck. <laughs> Basically, like, and it, it, for me, if I left with that, it would be like, this, you're with us for the rest of your life. Well, I thought, I'm only 20. That's not acceptable. I'm going to see if there's any other options. And so I went through a bunch of stuff, like ear candling, if you ever heard of that, where they draw wax out of your ear and yeah. like, a lot of very unique modalities. Um, those uh, you know, great experiences, but they didn't, they didn't help the balance. So what happened was somebody said to me, and it goes back to a friend did say this part, why don't you give yoga a try? I heard that's good for balance, but that was as much as they said. And then I had to seek it out on my own and everything. And so I did, I seeked out a yoga class. I remember I went to this class and it was like the best way. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but it was like a dingy class. Like it was like a beat up old rug with stuff like <laughs> on the rug it was just like like you know like uh like somebody littered on the rug and they never bothered cleaning it up it was just like yeah. you know, that building and like it was like weird that i didn't quit on it based on just that but the, the only thing i remembered is i said well uh, i'll make sure i bring a wider mat next time so that i'm nowhere near the floor and basically went but i kept going so what happened was the first time i went i discovered this thing at the end called shavasana so mm -hmm. people that have went to yoga may not be familiar with it but basically in a lot of ways i feel it's basically lying still but to me it's almost like meditation mm -hmm. and so i was like that one minute was like the best part of that day that i went there and i'm like oh my gosh this yoga thing is amazing but i really it was because that one minute and so i kept going back for that one minute now i liked the yoga and it was great exercise and all that but the one minute of that silence i wasn't giving myself that normally so that's why I kept going back. About three months later, that friend that said to me, you should try yoga said, how's your balance doing? I said, I haven't thought about that in months. <laughs> so I, which tells you obviously it was doing better when I haven't thought about it. What happened was I did um, in front of him, like he said, well, give it a try. And I said, well, normally I'd be swaying right now with my eyes open, but let's try eyes closed. Try my eyes closed, perfectly still. So then I said, why don't I try uh, tree pose for those that know yoga? One, you know, one leg on your other leg, standing up with your arms in the air. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did tree pose no shaking at all. So wow. I'm like, I um, can't stand straight with my eyes open, just on my normal, you know, stance to being able to stand on one leg with my eyes closed. And so I was like, all right, I'm kind of sold. And so I kept going back to yoga more on than off. The last couple of years, I've been guilty of not going much, but more on than off for about 20 years, I've been doing yoga. So that's, that's how I got in. It was like another one of those happy accidents that worked out for the best. I mean, these synchronicities happen for us for a reason, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't believe in coincidences anymore. <laughs> and what you say, like, I think this is also a perfect example of leaving your comfort zone in the same way that you're pursuing your passions, because all of these, let's say, 
hobbies or like things that you do outside only your your professional view or maybe your personal perspective for your family your friends or your audience or what's on it's a space for you and that also helps build that passion because uh, I totally get what you said about the Shavasana because when I started doing yoga I had the same thing I was like oh my god this minute two minutes it's it's amazing because you you get that time with yourself and sometimes we we forget to check in with ourselves and and it's important to build that that relationship and that's that's just an amazing way to see how exercise or these uh physical areas of our lives also add into into being center and into build a great community and to bring your best because uh, you're like also taking care of yourself on the on on the on the background that's just amazing oh well thank you so much yeah it was uh like i said it was it was i'll go so far as to say it was a life-changing moment you know whenever i discovered this whole thing yoga and meditation and this whole other world that i didn't really understand or have any knowledge of and at that by the way i should add too previous to that like when people would talk about it i was just like that's way out there like i didn't get it at all i was like it, it like i had to get tricked not tricked but the universe tricked me and i feel like because <laughs> me balance problems so i could discover yoga and i've never had the balance problems it's almost like that introduced me to discover it but it also what it did is it opened up my mind to what's possible and it might sound weird because you think meditation will bring you there easier than yoga but i think what it was is i thought i saw that in that one instance at least for me personally the medical world couldn't help me and this holistic practice did that was older than you know like older than uh, any family member that i've had going back how many generations right but that five thousand years old or something yoga is so i was like this practice that's that old that costs you nothing well just to go i guess so you could do it on your own though if you want yeah. uh cost you nothing uh you can do it on the ground even you don't even need a mat like when you look at all that there's no and nobody's making money because you discovered yoga meaning like they might be making money because they're teaching it but what mm -hmm. i mean is they don't have a vested interest to say take this yoga and then you have to pay me uh 500 every month and mm -hmm. uh, and if you stop the yoga for an hour uh it's not gonna you're gonna lose the benefits altogether like it's it's to me it's like all natural there's no reason not to and there's so So then when I discovered that, then I was like, well, what's else, what else is possible? And I was also having these like moments in that Shavasana where I was like, just feeling at such peace. And I'm like, how can I do this inward in only one minute? And it, I think it was because I was so overwhelmed during my day that that one minute was like, it felt like probably two hours of silence. So yeah, I, I, I was sold and I'm still sold. And I, I love that you bring the, the peace word in, into it because uh, from here we know that building that uh, peaceful world more free world starts within ourselves and living at peace with ourselves uh, that's why from live and let live on the live part we just here these are just suggestions and we just want to inspire everyone watching and all of our audience the future live and let livers of the world to to first live at peace uh, with themselves again you can throw all of this uh, to one side but I wanted to, to bring you, Corey, because I feel like your your profile, like what you've done, your experience, your wisdom is like very complementary to to what we want to inspire people to 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 be better, of course. And and there, there's one last bit of, of all of this, and it's the music part. That's also one of one of your hobbies. And I, I was just amazed to see how much you're doing, like how, how long, like how far you got, like developing passion after passion. And like making making a, a successful business at the same time you're like nurturing that also that inner human that 
the dwarf girl. <laughs> well, and, and thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I would love to, I mean, we all know just based on what I shared today, that it wasn't pretty, like it wasn't pre-planned on my part. It wasn't intentional. Uh, I would love to say that, you know, it was all a part of a big, bigger plan for me, like my own plan, you know, my 10-year plan that I was going to keep going on these different adventures and have these great experiences and then um, and find more of myself and, and grow as a person. But honestly, it was a journey. Like it was, and, I, and I, I'll tell you one of the things that took me a long time to learn, I think I talked about it in the book that I mentioned earlier, but one thing it took me a long time to learn is that the journey for me now is the destination and earlier it wasn't. So what I mean by that is, and I'll use a book as a great example. You know, you work on this book and I worked on it for years, like probably took about a year and a half, what out or two years. And I worked on it. And at every stage, I'm like, can't wait till it's done. Can't wait till it's done. So I wasn't actually enjoying the journey of writing the book. And then when it was done, I was like, it's in my hand. Finally, after all that. Okay, now what? Next. It didn't matter. Like, I, like yeah. I waited for this big moment of, wow, it's going to feel like some great moment. And then the moment came and it was just fleeting. It was gone in seconds. And then I thought, how often am I doing this to myself? I'm not even enjoying the journey of it. Mm -hmm. And so now, for instance, I'm working on a book, a parable, the first, second parable I've ever written. And when I do write, like I, I, I'm not the person that sits down every day for an hour. So when I do write on it, I'm all in. Like I'm enjoying the story coming to life, the richness of it. That is the destination. So I get little destinations all the way through instead of trying to wait for this big one moment. And I think that's, I've noticed that with doing interviews with high achievers. There's so many high achievers, we never talk about it, where they always buy the next big thing. Like they'll go buy a car and then they're like a day later, oh, I brought mm -hmm. the wrong one. And then they, mm -hmm. you know, a month later or a year later, they go buy the ne newest version of that thinking it's going to make them happy. And they don't realize no matter how many of them they buy, they're still there with themselves. So they have to work on the inside too. And it's amazing to me how many people just go next. Like they work on stuff and go, oh my God, I can't wait till it's done, thinking it's going to be finally the thing. And it usually isn't because the challenge is you're not enjoying the process of doing it. And I think if, and it took me a long time to discover this, but I think if more people realize that the journey really should be the destination, then the more people realize that, the more, I think going back to the word peace, the more at peace we would be because we would get fulfillment all the way through. Like, it's just like, how sad is it that most people spend eight or 10 hours a day at the office and dread going in? You know, so if you think about it, they're not enjoying the journey. And some people go, yeah, but when I retire, I'm going to be so happy. But then they're like 21 now. So you mean in, in whatever amount, 41 years, you're going to be super happy? Yay, but <laughs> you still have to live 41 years to get there. And what if you die a week before that you get 65 or whatever that magical age is to them? So what I'm getting at is, what if you could find a way to enjoy the journey? Enjoy every day and enjoy every minute. And it's, a lot of people think that's out there, but it's possible. And I mean, I'm not gonna go into a thing about uh, quit a job and go find your passion because I do believe in practicality. Uh, whenever I was discovering my passion and then my purpose, I kept working my corporate job for another four years. I, I did enjoy my job though, but I'm saying, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, quit something because you don't like it. But what I am saying is either try to find some fulfillment in it while you're doing it, or figure out how you can do something that you'll enjoy more. Because if you're going to work every day anyway, why not be happy when you're there? That's the that, And that's the part, if you can enjoy that, you've got to figure it out. That, that, I mean, this is a rant, but it's my personal opinion on it, is that too many people are waiting for some destination that either may never come, or when they get there, may not bring them what they think is going to bring them. That's true. The power of being present, because we're also all the time thinking of tomorrow. And tomorrow, and in 10 years, and... 
when I when I get this uh, best stuff and I totally relate to that because I, I used I used to work more in corporate and I used to thought oh it's it's my it's my boss it's my coworker it's this it's that like when I have the perfect office when I have the perfect job when I have this when I have that and then I had all of those smart checks like a good office a good boss great coworkers great pay, pay and I was as you said I wasn't happy at all. I was still depressed and that's when I hit me like I need to pursue something more as well. And it's it's the part of truly being present and and to like realize that how how, how can you do your days more enjoyable? It's not well, just about the goal. It's about like every day. Well and if I can add uh for just one more thing at the very least, uh in that area, I would say, Maria, I've a lot of times people just say, well, that sounds great in theory, or that sounds great because you talked to one person, they said this, but I'm going to put this out there boldly. I've interviewed over 6,500 people. Mm -hmm. Out of those 6,500 people, over a thousand are multimillionaires. So I'm going to tell you this from research. I mean, by the way, that's, I've done probably more research than if you've ever heard of a, it was the Nielsen TV ratings, the ratings they do to decide how many people are watching a certain uh, okay, show. Yeah. The number they base it on is smaller than the number of people I've interviewed to share what I'm That's about to true. share. And what I'm saying is after thousands of interviews with both highly successful people and multimillionaires, I'm here to tell you over and over again, every one of them, almost without exception, had to get the money to discover it was never about the money. And I want people to think about what I'm saying there because everybody thinks magically when I get this certain amount of money, life is gonna change and get better or, or things are gonna magically happen. What I'm telling you is it from their own mouth, most of them told me, look, now I have the money and I realized it was never the money. And, and people can say, well, that's easy to say when you have the money. But I interviewed uh, before his passing, a gentleman named Bill Bartman. Bill Bartman was once the 25th richest man in America. His net worth was 4.5 billion at the time. This is going back quite a few years. Yeah. He lost it all because one of his partners did some quote unquote fishy stuff uh, and basically uh, with fraud and everything and it brought the company down. Originally, they thought he was in on it. He got acquitted. He had nothing to do with it, but it like, cost him his whole company, 4,000 employees, $4 billion company. And so when I was talking to him, he was basically had lost all that and was building it back up. And so I asked him directly, I said, were you more happy when you had the money? And he said, he said, no, not even a bit. What I realized is life was easier, but I'm still the same person. Life was easier, he said, in the sense that if you want to bring your 4,000 employees to a ball game, you could put them on a private plane and do that. He said, there was nothing that was off limits. I could do anything I wanted. Yeah. And he said, so you don't have to stress about, am I gonna be able to pay rent today? So yes, that makes life easier. And yes, there's a calm there and a peaceness, peacefulness. But he said, as far as happiness and fulfillment, he said, that money didn't change a thing. And at the time I was talking to him, he was about a year in and he built himself back up to about 250 million from bankrupt. So he knew how to build it again. But he said, Corey, I thought when I lost the money, it was gonna, I was going to be depressed and maybe be in a big hole and a funk and start drinking and all this other stuff based on that. And he said, it didn't change a thing. He said, I realized my wife and me were still the same people. He said, I still had the same cheery smile I walk around with. But he said, when I got the money, I thought it would make me happy and it didn't. And when I lost the money, I thought it would make me unhappy and it didn't. He said, it is easier and I'm a person that drives for it and I want to I wanna get it back again because he said, I see the impact it can have on people by being able to give back and hiring that many employees and give to them. But he said, at the end of the day, it does not change my happiness. So I'm talking from a billionaire who lost the money and, and thousands of millionaires who had the money and have all said, I thought it was the money and it's not the money. It's not the money. It goes beyond that. Money at the end is just a way 
it's, it's, it's not yeah. an end goal. It's not an end goal. It's just a tool, as you said, it can do, it makes things much easier, of course, but it's not the end goal. You use money to get somewhere to, to do stuff. Uh, and it's the same with time. When I, when I retire, when I have more time, time is also just a way to get to things, to achieve things. And it's, it shouldn't be our end goal. Corey, this has been really amazing um, here uh, for our audience from Live and Latif, uh, um, especially from Peace Talks. We want to, inspi again, inspire you and to just bring some suggestions. That's why I love to bring people like Corey, uh, because you are uh, like an excellent example of precisely that, how to live present, how to, how to like be always like finding ways to improve yourself. Um, and again, these are just suggestions. If you're interested more on the legal principles, the let live part, I suggest you go watch Peace Radicals. Every week we have a brand new episode. You can catch that on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to Peace Talks also on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on pretty much every platform uh, so that we every day uh, keep building that, that peaceful world. Uh, Corey, any, any last remarks that you want to make today? Any last words for our audience? So I mentioned that I want to give something away for free. So I'll mention that. And it's, it's very easy to find. It's uh, if you go over to <clears throat> thepassioncure.com, okay. so thepassioncure.com slash and Corey with an E, C-O-R-E-Y. If uh, anybody viewing, listening wants to go over there uh, and grab a free resource, basically what the resource is, it's what I talked about earlier. It's, it's, um, so it's just a one pager. You can print it out and there's actually exercise you can fill out. And it's just to help you start planning this idea of what is my passion? What could it be? And then the second part to it that we added a second exercise is association is everything. Who you surround yourself with. So it's actually an exercise I use to determine who I'm spending my time with and what kind of energy they're bringing to me, positive or negative. Uh, so there's those two exercises completely free at thepassioncure.com slash Corey. So I would share that and if, you know, feel free to go grab that. And then as far as uh, if I would leave people with maybe some parting advice, I would say we've talked a lot today about passion and purpose. And for somebody that hasn't discovered it, you might not know why you should bother. What I can tell you is every day for me, if you know a kid in your life that likes Christmas, I said it because not Christmas is not for everybody. But if you know a kid in your life that falls over themselves trying to run down the stairs for Christmas, that's what I feel like every day I wake up. Or another example is uh, fire. I have this fire in my belly, you know, so I, have the, I feel like I have this fire, flame going. And now that I know, I won't let any, I'll guard that flame with everything I have. So that's what it feels like every day. Every day is Christmas. Every day I won the lottery. Every day <laughs> I fire my belly. And my, my point is, if you don't know what that feels like, I get why you would not think it's worth the effort. Be skeptical. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. What I would tell you is it's a real deal and it's worth it. I mean, I can't, you really have to experience it for yourself. I mean, I can't make you feel that this is true. But when you see these people and you say, what are they on? It must be phony and all that. So, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm not. And I've said to people, if you see me in a really bad mood, you let me know. And, uh, and first of all, I'll stop. But secondly, I'll cut you a check. And I, I put different amounts of money on it. Nobody's ever cashed it yet. Because every day I feel like I'm waking up to serve my purpose. And so what, my, what I'm saying out of that is not just about that's what it feels like, but that's why it's worth going out and figuring out what your calling is. So maybe the takeaway from today is find your calling. Corey, thank you so much for this amazing gift. I'll, I'll put the link on the description of the video and for sharing all of your wisdom, all of this amazing advice. And trust me, I was very skeptical about what you're saying like that. I was like, there's, there's, there must be something weird in here. But then I experienced that passion um, on my own. 
and it's truly something that is worth keeping and, and defending and building and nurturing every every day. Corey, thank you so much for your time, for being here, for being part of the Live and the Live community. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Bye.